Come gather ye friends round your flickering bonfires and listen to tales of exploding, barking, a health and safety nightmare. Set aside that slice of parkin that you shove in your face all once a year and raise a glass of hot cider to us, your storytellers. Barking skies? Exploding dogs? Are you thinking what I'm thinking, Bob-Bob? If you're plotting what I'm plotting, Tombo. Yes, on that one normal night of the year when we, on this completely stable island, set fire to an effigy of a guy. Who, with a bunch of other guys, wasted lots of money failing to blow up a rich guy. Guys, what is this incoherent nonsense? It sounds expensive. Well, Pear Bear, it's a powder party. Oh, alas, those days are gone for the Silly History Miles Show. Well, we still have each other. Indeed we do, Bilbo, and it's not nearly enough. So, the year is 1605, and the big event, well, the big non-event, as it turns out to be... Oh, come on, peeb. Spoilers. Spoilers? It's a famous one, Bilbo. Remember, remember, the 5th of November. That was a poem about it. Just now? In Quintim Novembris? On the 5th of November, by John Milton. Ah, oh, well, you know, John is a very common poet's name, and there's a lot of famous Novembers, you know? Such as... Um... Rain. Nice. Ah... Uh, the hunt for the red. The hunt for red November. Come on, man. It's the hunt for red October. You've gone too far. Roll it back. Roll it back indeed. And that's what we needs do. Back 71 years, in fact. I knew exactly what you were doing, PBD. You know, I, I set them up. You knock them down. Shut up, Bilbo. Yes, PBD. The events of 1605 could not happen without us travelling back to 1534. Or mid-afternoon, if you prefer. The year when Henry VIII would split from Rome. Joan? Ooh, is she that mysterious possible seventh wife I've just now this minute been googling? Rome, not Joan. Henry split with the Catholic Church in Rome. And stop googling, you know it's bad for you. Yeah, yes I do, sorry. Henry VIII, like Bilbo, is obsessed with male heirs. It's true. Baldness terrifies me. Heirs, not... never mind. For the purposes of this next bit, you're obsessed with men getting what they're owed, okay? Okay, man's game. Got it. Team Tudor, a big ask if you're a firstborn girl. Well, any girl, really. As a royal woman, you will spend most of your time riding the bench only to be superseded by your brother. When and if he transfers in. This is the beautiful game. The Game of Thrones. Man's game, innit? Henry was annoyed that Catherine of Aragon, his first wife, had only bore him Mary. Game's gone. What sort of name is Mary for a king? Mary was female. You know, those dudes who are the opposites of what you like. The ones who win football tournaments. Careful, I'm teetering on the edge of full gammon here. And that's what Henry did. Believing that his lack of a son was a punishment from God for marrying his brother's wife. Henry hooked Aragon at half-time in favour of Anne Boleyn, who he thought would give him a son. Which annoyed Rome, as this was not the way things were done. I will not have our beautiful game of thrones dictated to us by foreigners. Henry's the king and he's male. Right, we can split from the church in Rome and get it done. Now this heavenly hoodoo is sorted, we can get on with having a king. In 1533, to Henry, 
Anne Boleyn bore Elizabeth. Good solid name. A name for a man's man. Oh, wait, uh, you said what? Elizabeth. Ah, oh, another own goal. So much like the insane gammon doubling down on conspiracy theories and scampy fries, Henry ends his relationship with Anne Boleyn. And also ends Anne's relationship with living. Is the famous one, folks, and it's a rough ride for poor Anne Boleyn. She held hands with her brother in the biblical sense. Oh, come on, you know that's not true. Yeah, but I've seen little Tommy Cromwell's YouTube. He makes a lot of sense. Shut up, you freak. Cromwell was right. You're trying to silence me. Uh, no, that's Podbean and all the other podcast platforms. And then Jane Seymour, the third wife substituted on, gives birth to Edward in 1537. Finally! And with that, suddenly Seymour is my favourite. Henry's too. The only one of his wives to be given a queen's funeral. And there was a lot of queens needing funerals during the reign of Henry VIII, if you know what I'm saying. Whoa, 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 let me stop you there. You can all stop sipping your cool glasses of woke cola and listen. I will not have a great man like Henry besmirched in such a fashion. I have churlishly thrown my weight behind this psycho, and no reasonably thought-out opposition or boatload of logic will break through my bizarre hubris. Now, if he says girls are rubbish, then girls are... Actually, can I stop this? I could do with less sweaty meat in my life as it is. I thought we were doing something about, you know, gunpowder. We are, but we need to lay the foundation for the Church of England versus Rome. Protestants versus Catholics. Catholic discontent and the pressure within the country at the time. Oh, got it. So, Henry VIII, I'm going to say leaning towards Protestant. He literally started this whole thing for Nookie. And he probably wasn't even that serious about it. It is even said that Henry's fundamental beliefs never changed. There's something very familiar about all this. What about his son, Edward VI? Now, if his dad, Henry, was Catholic all along, then surely... Edward VI threw himself into the new religion with gusto. Oh. And the screw began to turn on the Catholics. New prayer books were printed, and priests were told they couldn't wear their banging threads anymore. Those dowdy Protestants! And these new priests were allowed to have normal and totally healthy nighttime hobbies. And even marry! What is the world coming to? Next you're going to tell me I can't buy my way into heaven with good deeds and prayers. And money. Don't forget money. You can't, Bilbo. Predestination is in and we've all decided you're going to hell. No! Save me, Queen Mary I. Well, you original sinners are in luck, Bilbo, because Queen Mary I, first child of Henry VIII, she rules in 1553. Now she's queen and she's swinging straight back to Catholicism. And by swinging... We mean burning. Burning Protestants under the new heresy laws and making a name for herself. Bloody Mary. Uncle Bilbo's breakfast picked me up. Oh no, I didn't want this. I only wanted my priests to be lonely and maladjusted, albeit with easy access to a fabulous wardrobe. Burning isn't a good look for Catholics. You're kidding. We live for this. I don't. I haven't been Catholic for ages. You still are. You can never leave. Oh, no. Save me, Queen Elizabeth I. Did someone say moderate Protestantism? Not me. Thank God it was you who had to pronounce it. 1558, and Elizabeth is queen. In 1559, the Act of Supremacy firmly placed the Church of England as the top dog in the yard, with Queen Elizabeth holding the leash 
Oh, as a Catholic, I'm not sure about this. Neither were some of the more extreme Puritans. They wanted a return to the days of Edward VI and his mates. So the reign of Queen Elizabeth rolls on as the 17th century dawns. But fortunately for Catholics, Elizabeth is not a religious nutjob. All she asks is that her religious laws are strictly followed. Make me. The summer of 1602. Baddersley Clinton Manor House, Warwickshire, England. Father Garnet! Father Henry Garnet! Where is that priest? <laughs> oh, for the love of... Marco! Hulu. <laughs> oh, you found me, rats. Good show, Anivo. Ooh, that rhymes. Father, what is the point of these drills if you're going to give yourself away? But have no fear, Father Garnet. There are plenty more priest holes. And I must commend you on those holes, me lady. Since I landed on these shores, I have experienced many a Catholic nook. And yours are by far the cranniest. I need no commendation, Father. I am merely performing my duty as you are yours. Risking your life on behalf of our Lord and his holiness in Rome. Well, Mass won't say itself. Any chance we get to undermine the bland Protestant regime of Queen Elizabeth is totally worth it. Each fine we incur for refusing their church is worth it. It takes a brave heart full of the love of our Lord to refuse them, milady. I'll pray to that. In nomine patris. Open up. This is a raid. Oh no. Fine collectors. Uh, uh, Father, quick. Back in the hole. But I'm still praying. Now, Father. Et filie Spiritus Santis. Amen. Get him out, you Catholic dog. That was the loudest amen I've ever heard. No, that was me. I really like to make sure God is listening. Wait, Robert Catesby, is, is that you? <laughs> they don't get much past you, Cousin Anne. Yes, it's me, Robert Catesby. How go the drills, fair cousin? Oh, Robert, you rotter. The drills? You tell me. That good, eh? Marco! Polo! Rats! Father? Hello, Robert. How goes it? It goes incredibly stressfully, Father. May I remind you that England is at war? Oh, yes. Seventeen years and counting. At war with Spain. Catholic Spain? A fine bunch of lads. That they are, Father, but may I also remind you that it is because of this war that we Catholics are always under suspicion and will be forever as long as England remains Elizabethan and Protestant. You need not remind me. Nowadays, most Catholics are drifting into Protestant conformity. In order to combat this, we need a new breed of Jesuit priest to go from house to house celebrating secret Catholic Mass and risking business. And for that you will be rewarded. But we're all in the same arc here. See what I did? Having a priest say mass and hiding a priest is a big and dangerous deal for us too, you know. I live in a constant state of breaking it. Be at peace, dear cousin Anne. For me and my friend Thomas Percy 
have something in the works. For we think very much alike and- Open up! This is a raid! Ah! This will be him now! Uh, come now, Thomas! I already did this bit! Uh, you're going to feel as silly as a Protestant priest at a fashion show when- What up, chapsticks? What's going on here, then? This is a real raid. Oh, dear. Oh, no! Hide, Father! Quick, in the hole! Get in the hole! Oh! What is the meaning of this, you man? Why are you acting surprised? I, like, raid you every other week. Um, yes, well, indeed. Well, I'm not really surprised at all, actually. I'm just sick to the back teeth of all these crippling fines for us poor Catholics. Well, if you recusants won't go to proper church and won't do what Queen Elizabeth tells you, then... Wait. Why does it smell like Latin in here? He who located it, consecrated it. Nice try, Catholic. Wait. Are you harboring a priest? Never. Barbatum? You can stroke your beard all you want, sir, but you won't find a priest here. You probably walked all that Latin in from your last raid, you slob. Marco! What else? Right, listen up, Refuseniks. If you don't go to the right church, you get fined. If you don't do things our way, you get raided and considered foreign agents. We Protestants are large and in charge, and as long as our aging queen remains in good health, I can't see that changing. How is the queen, by the way? Ah, oh, you know, not bad for a 68-year-old wealthy woman in Elizabethan England. Now, barring a series of deaths within her close friendship group, including, but not restricted to, the slow decline and death of her cousin and confidant, Catherine Howard. Ooh, that's Queen Elizabeth's lady-in-waiting, not her daddy's fifth wife, BTW. Uh, well, no, for Henry VIII gave that Catherine Howard a nookie-related execution, didn't he? Well, yes. Top bloke. Top religion. Uh, where was I? Barring the death of the other Catherine Howard, the Countess of Nottingham. Get you, title swat! Hey, anyway, so long as Catherine Howard knee Carey doesn't die, and all that other death doesn't happen, then I think Queen Elizabeth will avoid a... Checks his notes. A settled and unremovable melancholy. Oh, how I love your little visits. Me too! Where's the cash? Thanking you! See you on church on Sunday, or see you back here next Monday. Alas, these fines are killing me. My finances, like my religious opposition, are oppressive. But your plan with Thomas Percy, cousin? Oh, yes. Well, as that idiot collector said, Queen Elizabeth is aging and she won't be around forever. The word on the street is that King James VI of Scotland will be the next King of England. True, but he sees himself as a peacemaker, and he is the son of super-Catholic Mary Queen of Scots, and she managed to govern the Scottish prods with religious tolerance. And you're hoping her son will do the same? Exactly. Good old Thomas Percy is going up to Scotland now to speak with the King. Are you sure about sending him, cousin? Well, Percy has lineage. He is, after all, the cousin of Henry Percy, ninth Earl of Northumberland, and one of the richest hobnobs in court. Lineage? He's like Northumberland's second cousin once removed or something. He's Henry Percy's bagman at best. 
bagman. It's called being responsible for the Percy's northern estate. You know how these highborns are about lineage and looking good, and you can say what you want about Thomas Percy, but he looks good. You won't get any argument from me. But Thomas Percy is a belligerent layabout with the timing of a pugnacious brick. Oh, hey, chopsticks! Down on the ground! This is a raid! Her not now, Percy. In the autumn of 1602, Thomas Percy rides to Edinburgh to see King James VI of Scotland. On behalf of the English Catholics, he hopes to find some promise of religious tolerance from James when he becomes king. We don't really know the ins and outs of this meeting, but an interesting meeting of minds it must have been. On one side of the table, King James. He was said to be bright and spoke well, but on the other hand was a bit gross. On the other side of the table, Thomas Percy, rather wild, a man who relied much on his sword and personal courage. King James, whose diplomacy amounted to let them believe what they wish. And Thomas Percy, whose mediation ran to, hmm, what was that? Great, good. Right, who's up for some mead and a bit of a wrestle? Ah, Thomas, I would like to welcome you to Edinburgh. And I feel most welcome, Your Majesty. And I must say that the reputation of Edinburgh's nightlife is well-founded. A real festival atmosphere. Yes, every summer we get inundated with drama students and toffs from London. It's all incredibly tiresome and you get flyered 87 times in a 15-minute journey. But it is excellent for the Scottish coffers because we put our rents up massively whilst banging on about being socialist. It's really great. Sorry, long journey? A most amenable journey, Your Majesty. Thank you for asking. It was more of an observation. Ha! <laughs> I knew that. Yes. Nothing much gets by you. It does not, for I am extremely smart. Indeed. You are physically impressive and well-dressed, yes. Thanks. It is advantageous to be well-heeled, especially for a night on the slippery miles, if you know what I mean. Business? Oh, no. Last night was strictly pleasure, my lord. Why, I met the finest little clouty dumpling on the Royal Mile. I'm sure you did, Percy, but what is your business with me? Oh, yes, of course. Well, Your Majesty, I'm here to talk about when you become King of England. Elizabeth is the English Queen. Of course, but we all know, as she has named no heir, you will be next on the throne. Do we now? Yes, we do. And I wanted to get your take on, well, the Catholics. I know your mum was well into us. Huge Catholic. Mega! So, we Catholics were wondering if you'd find a place in your heart for, well, us. Like your mum. Aye. Dear to my heart. Loved me old mammy, publicly at least. Public love for the Catholics! Oh, joyous day! Great! How about some mead and a wrestle? Oh wait, let's not get carried away. We should really be noting this down. Well, don't worry yourself about the boring official records and whatnot, Thomas. We're all about the spoken word up here. Here, have some more mead. Oh, how already kind of you. Don't mind if I do, Your Majesty. You, you won't be trying to placate me with 
Lovely, lovely mead, would you? By no means, Thomas. Hospitality must be shown. After all, you have journeyed far to see me. You're right, sire. I have adventured longly and bravely to be here, but I do need assurances. I am an open book, Thomas. Will Catholics be allowed to live a free life? It could be said that the finding of God is freedom within itself. Huh. Take that as a yes. Excellent. Now, would you look upon Catholics with favour? You say flavour? What flavour do you mean? The mead? Sorry, what? The mead. Well, it's honey flavour. Here, take another sip. Oh, mm, my, it is good. Anyway, where, where, where was I? Uh, with flavour. Oh, yes, yes. I'll just, I'll just take that off. Very good. Um, uh, oh, oh, yes, honours and office, would we be admitted? The office will have out-of-hours access that will admit you should you wish to use the photocopier or the fully-serviced mead station, yes. Um, uh, yes, I'm not sure I follow. Shush now, Thomas, quiet Catholics will not be disturbed, and I will not fail to recognise those who provide good service. I think I'm getting mixed messages here. Do you want me to service the meat station? <laughs> Thomas Percy, my good man. The way forward could not be clearer. Should there be a future where I ascend to the English throne, I expect the Catholics of England to support me. The honeymoon period will be very grand, knighthoods and all sorts of super-duper prizes being thrown around. And all that good stuff you said! Stuff is indeed good. I love stuff. Well, butter me up and call me convinced. I can't wait to return to England and tell all the Catholics we've got nothing to fear. Indeed, you have nothing. Nothing at all. Except more mead? Why, thank you. Probably best we didn't write any of this down anyway. Those heavy ledgers would be really annoying to have to log all the way back to my lodgings half drunk. <laughs> I am so glad. As am I, Thomas. As am I. March 24th, 1603. Queen Elizabeth I dies. March 24th, 1603. King James VI of Scotland becomes King James I of England. Hey, did King James really get Thomas Percy all turned around on the Mead train? I don't know, it just seemed a fun way to show nothing was ever clear. I guess James gave no promises, and Thomas Percy believed what he wanted to believe. And so the honeymoon period began. Knighthoods for all! England is flattered with honours, favours, speedboats, amazing opportunities in crypto, and over 25 flavours of mead. Wow, really? Yeah, this fob gets you into the office whenever you like. Just remember to service the mead station when you're done. Yay! King James I relaxes the Catholic persecution. He tells the fine collectors not to collect from Catholic refusers. Father Henry Garnet, having finally regained consciousness, wrote of King James's coming as a golden time of unexpected freedom. So unexpected was this freedom that when the Catholics had unexpectedly got their heads around all this expectation and finally came to expect it, 
It all stopped. Unexpectedly. Under pressure from Parliament, King James started fining again. And there was an order passed down to kick all Catholic priests out of the country. The Catholics were annoyed. This brought Catholic resentment into sharp focus. For on Sunday the 20th of May 1604, in the Duck and Drake pub just off the Strand in London, we meet, as that Channel 4 doc I remember watching back in 2001 put it, a group of wild and rather silly young men. A pox on King James! There, I said it! He relaxes the stranglehold on us just to see what the prods south of the border will do, and as soon as Parliament pitches a fit, he tightens the noose! All to carry favour with those heretic jerks! Well, Cousin Catesby, James is a heretic himself. We probably should have called this one. Thomas Winter, my dear cousin, nobody could have seen this coming, nobody! We sent our most astute man! My face! I can't believe he lied straight to my face! To my face! King James is so weak, he's totally ruined me for me! Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold on anymore. Jack Wright, my oldest and dearest friend, you look upon me with confusion. I only have one observation, and then I shall hold my tongue, Robert. Now, you look to have a mind for murder. Hey, stop right now! You better sit there for the rest of this scene and be silent, Jack Wright! We may be a group of financially jiggered adventurers with unstable personalities, but- Quite alright, Thomas Percy. Dan Dan, would you go up tend to your espresso martini? No more coffee and booze for that man. I don't care if he's your best pal, Robert. The aspersions were cast. I said it's quite alright, Thomas. Jack Wright is not wrong. I am of a mind that King James must die. Oh, a wonderful stuff then. I, I mean, I was sort of hoping it would go this way, but I thought for the sake of group synergy and, you know, my own street cred, I'd better keep being belligerent. So, um, what's the play, lads? The king has got to go. But it's about how he goes. It's got to be big, it's got to be loud, and it's got to be public. Like a Tommy Percy Mead bender. You shut your face, Winter. You know those days will never come again. No, bigger than that. I can tell by the look on Jack Wright's face that he knows what I'm on about. No, don't speak, Jackie. I'm talking powder. Alas, those days will also never come again. We blow him and Parliament sky high. Take them all out. The king, the queen, the princes, all the lords, the bishops, members of parliament, throw in the leading gentry and judges for laws, the entire representation of the Stuart state. And how do we accomplish this? We blow them up. Uh, come on, help me out here, Cousin Winter. You're good at semantics. Cousin Robert is an ideas man. A great ideas man. Thank you, Cousin Thomas. But for this, we need a guy. What guy? Guy. Yes, I know it's a guy. Is he some dude you just met? No. Well, yes, sort of. Right, you know I'm a soldier by trade. Fought for England in the Low Countries and France and, well, quite a lot of places, really. 
What? You fought for Elizabeth's regime of blandness? How was the food? Awful. However, by 1600 I'd changed my mind. About the food? No. About whom I was fighting for. Oh yes! You suddenly and fervently became Catholic. And because of this, I started travelling to the continent to entreat Spain on behalf of us oppressed English Catholics. Spanish support would have been great. For a moment there, I really thought Catholic rebellion was likely. They knew it. Didn't like the food, did they? They're in ideas, man. You've gone proper tunnel on this one, Robert. Get to the guy! Could you pop downstairs? Let him in, Jack. Right. Yes, right. Do you see any other Jacks here? So, this guy, he's exactly what we need. A soldier, a cavalier. He fought for Catholic Spain against the new Dutch Republic. Hey, I'm pretty handy with a sword and a horse too, you know. You handy with mining and explosives? Mining for compliments and my charm is explosive. So, yes and yes. Well, this guy is an experienced merc. He's got tricks we don't have. He fought well at the Siege of Calais in 1596. Oh yes, the artillery bombardments there were top draw. He's been back in England for less than a month. Over from the southern Netherlands, he's been fighting for the Catholic forces there for over ten years. Gotta love the southern Netherlands, a place where an English Catholic man can go to get his war on. Oh, the stories he can tell, but we'd be up all night there. The that he could regale us with, the sheer amount of stories of glorious combat. Gentlemen, may I introduce you to... Guido. Guido, folks. Though you can call me Galley. Welcome, Guy. Please, take a seat. You must have so many questions about our undertaking. Not really. The reason we need you, well, it's... I mean, it's quite complicated, but... Not really. Not... Really? Not really. Hmm, bit chatty for me, this one. No, Guy, come on, really. It, it's going to be quite an undertaking. It's going to be... A big bang for the bad man. Got it. Robert, Guy has the techers for this. It'll be grand. Well, okay then. I guess we shall begin with a vow of secrecy. Clutch this holy cross and repeat after me. I superduper swear that I will not tell a living soul, not even the last down the market, that I fancy anything of the following plot. I shall henceforth only speak in hush whispers from now on, and if I do tell anyone, especially Mark and Maggie, and I don't care if she gives you 25% off that fish you like, may God strike me short and bold and fast. So, with stunning historical accuracy, the plot is formed. The members of the plot would grow over the coming weeks. Thomas Winter is joined by his older brother Robert and their half-brother John. It's a brotherly affair as Jack Wright's brother Kit would also come on board. Add to the mix Robert Keyes, Thomas Bates, John Grant and Ambrose Rookwood. And a couple of money men in Sir Everard Digby and Francis Tresham. Wow, we're going to need access to a cast list next time. So, for the sudden bombardment of plotters, Party Lords and Double O Kings. Don't forget the religious vagary. Oh, yes, super vague. We have been the City History Buyers Show. And we are, as always, sorry! sorry.
Episode 58, or With Gunpowder Comes Great Accountability, The Gunpowder Plot Part 1, was written, produced and performed by the Silly History Boys. The cast, in order of appearance, so keep your lids on, you explosive divas, is as follows. Anne Vaux hid many an oddly shaped priest with the vocal aid of Gemma von Bon Bon Bond. Father Henry Garnet and Thomas Winter took an all-inclusive European jaunt with a great continental breakfast with Thomas Tombo Fermor. Robert Catesby and King James VI of Scotland twiddled their moustaches raw with the plotting, aided by your dear Uncle Bob Bob, Rob Bond. Ooh, we had a lot to do this week, listener. That's what happens when characters from a certain gardener-based episode make heard their voices again. How was I supposed to know that gardens are also plots? I hope that was enough time uh, for your chuckling to subside, listener. Anyway, the fine collector, Jack Wright, or John Wright if you prefer, and Guy Fawkes blew many a flipping door off with Will Uncle Bilbo Tristram. Thomas Percy flopped around the streets of London with his blade out, uh, ably supported by Stew the Pear Bear Perry. Banging pops, music and walking on stairs provided by those lovable rogues at Zapsblatt. The track, Renaissance Castle. Renaissance? You know, I don't actually know how to say that. Renaissance or Renaissance? Renaissance. Renaissance Castle was by Doug Maxwell. Intro music by the hugely discreet Lord Fastfingers. Get us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, The Silly History Boy Show. Or if you're Cornwall way, Tombo and Uncle Bilbo will be at Pendennis Castle, 22nd to the 30th of October, doing shows about hunting monsters and busting ghosts. You know, serious history stuff. Or if you're all about the Midlands, some may say it's Super South Yorkshire, why not go see Uncle Bob Bob at Bolsover Castle for his tale of Captain Blackheart and some ghostly walks on behalf of History's Maid? Or go see the Pear Bear in York, shout free mead and he'll appear. You can talk about zombies or haunted skips or something. I'm not really a scary dude, so I don't know. Okay, bye. It does not, for I am extremely smart. Smart, I mean smart. That wasn't funny.